What a difference a year makes for Dak Prescott. Last year, the Cowboys quarterback was dealing with injuries, but this year, he's fully cleared at minicamp. Dak said, quote, I think I'm so much further along than I was last year at this time. Mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy added his quarterbacks had a heck of an offseason. So, TJ, what's the ceiling for the Cowboys with a healthy Dak Prescott? If Dak is healthy, the Cowboys will always be in contention. He's that good of a quarterback, in my right. opinion. That's right. He has to stay healthy. In this offseason, what people don't realize is when you're an athlete and you're coming off of an injury, all we worry about is let me get this injury right. Let me attack this rehab. So you're not you're trying to get better as a player, but we're getting better as a player from getting healthy. He doesn't right. have to worry about that this year. This year is strictly let me get better as a football player. And what people don't realize is if Dak feels like I'm getting better as a football player from a mental perspective, that's going to help him because everybody always says, oh, the game is 80 to 90 percent mental, 10 to 20 percent physical. So mm. if that's the case, Dak is working on his mental by saying this. He's going to be better because he feels like he's better. He's saying he's better. He has an opportunity to work on that part of it instead of just rehabbing the physical part of his body that was injured last year. So I, I believe Dak Prescott will be better. I believe the Cowboys will be better. But losing Amari Cooper, Uh-oh. Cedric Wilson, that's not going to help. And also lurking back there or over here, the Philadelphia Eagles. I believe they will and they should be better. It's not going to be easy for the Dallas Cowboys, but Dak Prescott, just the player himself, he'll be better, but I don't know how much better with Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson being gone. Oh, come on, man. Say it with your chest, TJ. Got the, to- the ponytail slick back. Act like you gangster up in here. You know the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott have the chance to not only be contenders, but to be champions. That's how I think of these Dallas Cowboys. Oh, it can happen to the Cincinnati Bengals. They could go from being a four-win team to being in the Super Bowl, but it can't happen for the Dallas Cowboys. And if the Dallas Cowboys go out there last year in the playoff run and just win a couple more games, they are in that Super Bowl. We saw them last year in the NFC East. They wiped out that division and won those games with a point differential of 41 points to 17 points. So everyone in their division, y'all need to improve because last year y'all were getting molly walked. But you look at the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC, best team in the conference by record, 10-2. and two. Not even the Green Bay Packers could say that as the number one seed. I look at the Dallas Cowboys simply like this. Dak Prescott gets a chance to work on his entire body and his entire game this offseason versus last offseason where TJ just pointed out he was focused on just recovering from those injuries. Being a guy who's injury prone, that's what they label me in the NFL. (laughs) That's why I fell down the hill that I climbed up in my first few years. Let me tell you. When everyone else is showing up to offseason workouts and they're getting better, you're just trying to become who you were before. You're trying to just recover to the point where you were while they're getting a lead, while they're getting ahead because those guys are already fully healthy. Look at the Dallas Cowboys roster. You know they had the number one offense. Now they got a quarterback that's feeling great about himself and can work on his all-around game. Look for these Cowboys to not only be contenders, potentially champions. I didn't know I was doing a show today with Skip Wiley and T.J. Bayless. Had no idea. I wish somebody had sent me a memo. That's what we're doing? Stop it. Stop it with this right off the bat. T.J., you give me that they're always going to be in contention with Dak Prescott. When have they been in contention 
with Dak Prescott, a healthy or injured Dak Prescott. How close? And are we talking contention for the division title? Contention for a playoff spot or contention for the Super Bowl? I can't you win your division, Rick. You win the playoffs. That's you win how your it division, goes. You win the playoffs, and that oh, division is tough. Here, here we go. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I hate to be, I hate to be the accountant here because, like you, <laughs> I was drinking that blue and silver uh, Kool Aid uh, two years ago when Dak came along, and I. Started to buy. Jerry Jones wants to get one, and he's going to do anything before he kicks it. And, mm, mm. and then I saw reality, and I saw that the fact that the Cowboys have not come close to meeting expectations since the 90s. And I said, I'm not going to play this game anymore. And, I, and, and it has actually nothing to do, less to do with the Cowboys' history. As recent history, when it comes to paying a very good quarterback elite money, and what mm. happens with good, very good quarterbacks who are paid elite money? What happens to their teams, no matter how they perform? And we have evidence of that. We have multiple recent examples of what happens, which means, to answer the question, the ceiling for the Dallas Cowboys is to get to the playoffs and to win a wild card round if it comes to that. But winning mm. a divisional round game has not happened. Did not happen to the Minnesota Vikings after Kirk Cousins got there. Yeah, they won a wild card game and they got to the divisional round and then they lost. Ryan Tannehill won a wild card game, uh, got to the division and lost. Uh, Jared Goff got to the division, lost. So ultimately, can they be a playoff team? Sure, healthy or otherwise. But you guys have already seen the impact of Dak Prescott getting paid, which is we can't afford Amari Cooper. We can't afford to add the pieces necessary in order to take the next step. So it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with whether Dak is healthy or not. It has to do with that healthy contract that he's being paid and how it compromises their ability to build the rest of the team. So you somewhat agree with us. So what would you be? Uh... Mm. Skip Buker Bayless? <laughs> what would you be? If they make it to the playoffs, they're in contention. Yes. yes. Anybody that makes oh. it to the playoffs. Now, if we believe in history. That sounds good. If, if we believe in history, his, this is where I can go against myself, so to speak. The Cowboys haven't had double-digit win seasons back-to-back -back in 25 years. Mm. So history mm. is telling us mm. they probably won't make the playoffs. The Eagles will win the division because last year they won double-digit games. This year, will they do that? Because in the last 25 years, they have failed to do so. And so if we're going to go by history, it's trouble for the Cowboys. I believe they will break the trend this year. They'll win double-digit games. They're going to take a step back. They're going to have to be – they're going to have to get Tony Pollard more involved, whether it's in the passing game, the running game, whatever it may be. Michael Gallup's coming off an ACL. He's not going to be ready to go right away. And if he is, he's not going to be the Michael Gallup that they've been accustomed to seeing. C.D. Lamb, he should step up. I believe he will. But it's not going to be easy. The problem is when it's third and eight, who is Dak Prescott going to throw the ball to? Who does Dak Prescott feel comfortable mm. throwing the ball mm. to? Better yet, who are, when they call that play, we win a huddle, you hear the play call. Players know, oh, it's my ball. It's coming to me. Who's going to be that guy that the coaches feel comfortable we say or we assume it will be C.D. Lamb. It's going to have to be because Gallup's not going to be healthy. Is he ready to take on that load 
of when the play needs to be made, I'm that dude. I don't know yet. I love it. I love it. We're having a history class up here. Let's have some history. Not only old history, but recent history. Let's start with the old history. Y'all remember Mike McCarthy and Green Bay in his third year with Aaron Rodgers, what he was able to do with Aaron Rodgers? Win a Super Bowl. Okay. Is this Mike McCarthy's third year in Dallas? <laughs> yes, with Dak Prescott. <laughs> oh, I no. don't, don't know. Draw that I line. just want to point out the parallels. You guys do the rest of the work. Let's talk recent history when we talk about, oh, the Cincinnati Bengals and us four wins turned that into a Super Bowl appearance. Why can't the Dallas Cowboys do it when they're that much closer to being an actual Super Bowl contender? They can make up that same gap with a better offense than Cincinnati had last year. And if you look at them, the only thing that Cincinnati had better with, than them was their run defense. And last time I checked in NFL, you're not winning the Super Bowl running the football. So guess what? The Dallas Cowboys are properly equipped to go out there and do it. But Slick Rick points out, oh, Dak Prescott making too much money for them to go out there and win it off. Really? Do y'all know what Matthew Stafford's getting paid? Four-year 160? What's Dak on? Four-year 160? Really? Are Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs still contenders? Yeah, he makes the most. Uh, what about Josh Allen? 13 seconds away from beating I that same Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you already know. All I'm giving you are comps, and these comps work out. Uh -uh. Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, these are all the highest-paid quarterbacks because you get what you pay for. Now it's time for these yep. Dallas Cowboys to get what they pay for in terms of that Super Bowl championship. My last point is this. It's pretty simple. Y'all looking at the Dallas Cowboys in terms of what have they lost? What did they lose? Amari Cooper? who's been regressing every single year wearing that Dallas Cowboys uniform. He came in 1,200 yards, down to 865. Yeah, if you're making $20 million a year and you're only getting 865 yards receiving, it's time to talk or it's time to go. Randy Gregory, oh, me missing Randy Gregory. He had six sacks. Let me remind y'all that I was getting cut from San Diego when they were seeing me get down to six sacks. Now all of a sudden we miss them. They didn't miss me, and the Cowboys, they're going to miss Randy Gregory. <laughs> all I got to say is you guys have no point but hatred for the Dallas Cowboys to say why this team oh. has a ceiling lower than the Super Bowl. Uh, Marcellus, you just drew a line between Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Am I missing anybody? I don't think so. Well, you are. Deshaun Watson. Draw, mm, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. I, before. We got we to put Deshaun Watson to the side because, one, we haven't seen him play. Okay? Yeah, yeah, that's right. we, just, we haven't seen him play in two years. Put him so on the massage table. I yep. don't know where to put him. Uh, Talent-wise, <laughs> I, I would that. still put Deshaun ahead of, ahead of Dak, but I don't have any basis for that at this point. But if I'm going to draw a line, can I get uh, – you guys must not have heard me because I said it, so maybe I need to show it to you. Oh, we got to – Let me show you the quarterbacks that I would put Dak Prescott in company with. Guys who got paid and then what they did nah, subsequently. Stop. Because stop. Patrick Mahomes won that Super Bowl before he got paid. True. Matt Stafford, if I'm not mistaken, won the Super Bowl before he got paid. Well, so he's been paid a few times. This idea yeah. – Mm -hmm. um, yeah, okay, but still, in terms of what the Rams are paying him. So, I, I just if I'm going to make a comparison, mm. I'm more likely to make a comparison with Dak to these guys as opposed to Aaron Rodgers 
in his third year mm. with Green Bay. I can't even say that with a straight face. Mm. I don't know that you can either, Marcellus. You stop. You can't possibly. Mike McCarthy is the only common uh, <laughs> indicator between those two things. <laughs> and, and you can't even get it out because you know you're making this line. up. Stop cooking these books. Stop putting Dak Prescott down there with dudes he can't even see under his feet. None of those dudes qualify to be Dak Prescott. Will you stop that? Dak Prescott okay. is more so than that. So he's somewhere in the middle. So he's somewhere in the middle. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll say he has the potential to be better than those four guys. But the bottom line he's better than is, those guys right now. Though, he's, the potential. he's better than those guys right All now. Right. What, whatever. I'm not even worried. It's, this is not about Dak. It really is not about Dak. What's it about? It's about what his contract has made the Dallas Cowboys do, even if the Dallas Cowboys were big spenders, which you both know they're not. As much as Jerry Jones likes to play as if he's got the deep pockets and he's the big spender, he Mm. makes business decisions all Mm. the time Mm. when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, Mm. and he made a couple of them this past offseason. I don't see how they get closer to a Super Bowl after making those decisions. And TJ, feel like I'm talking to two TJs here now. A little bit. bit. You basically made as strong a case as anybody as to why we shouldn't buy that the Dallas Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders for all the reasons that you stated. So help me out, brother. I think within what we were like, we're less than 15 minutes into the show. I think you came over to my side. It didn't take that long. You you know what it is, though? Rick. When you make the playoffs, you're in contention. Yeah. The Dallas Cowboys are going to make the playoffs. Come on, man. Unless the Eagles make this jump. The Giants aren't going to be there. The Washington Commanders aren't going to be there. That doesn't even sound right. So when you make the playoffs, Commanders. you are in contention. Commanders. When you have were a the Eagles, quarterback. The Eagles. Man, that's on the paper. Eagles have play, were, they, were they a Super Bowl contender last year? No. They, oh. well, no, 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 not to me, but okay. yeah, to okay. Rick's so point, making, they were in the playoffs. So making the playoffs hey, they made the playoffs. doesn't automatically the, the make you a contender. The Eagles snuck in through the back door. They snuck oh, in through the back oh, door last right, week of the go. season. Here we go. And, they and snuck what's in. what's the possibility of the Cowboys having to go through that same door this year? Hey, if, hey, <laughs> if the Cowboys go through that door, they are not in contention. If they mm. get in through the back door, mm. they're not in contention. But the Cowboys, you're making it as if the Cowboys don't have a good team. They have a good team. a good team. Defensively, good they're team. good up front. They're good in the back end. You have a quarterback that can get it done. You also have a running back that can get it done. Mm. You have a receiver that has gotten it done, but Which can one? he get it done Which? at the level that they want him to in C.D. Lamb? We don't know that. But when you pay mm. Dak Prescott what you pay him, yes. you're assuming he's going to make guys better. Dak Ooh. Prescott believes mentally – I'm in that position now. I believe him as well. Ah, uh, Slick. You, you know what they say about assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does it say, Slick? Spell it out. Ass. <laughs> you, you and me. And me. I didn't know TJ was a double agent. That ponytail swings both sides. He over there making bit. your arguments. Mm-hmm. He making my arguments. TJ, no you need to get up out of here, man. A little bit. You hurt my cause right this now. This is like fight. This is I feel like I'm watching Fight Club. I'm watching no, a dude like it's the Eagles. It's because of what the Eagles have. The Eagles have it, but the Cowboys have proven mm, yeah, it. Yeah. And so the Eagles have to prove mm. that they can do what the Cowboys mm. have proven mm. to be. Mm. When Dak Prescott is healthy, the Cowboys have been a good team. Mm-hmm. When he's not, they're in trouble. It's that simple. I hear. I, mm. I hear what TJ is trying to tell us. 
Uh, I just don't know if we're hearing it the same way he's intending to say it. But, Slick, let me just get you with this one. Dak Prescott's a top 10 quarterback in this league, and it's not because he's number 10. Uh, Top 10 in passer rating, completion percentage, yards per game, passing touchdowns. With that defense, number one in takeaways, that defense that knows how to play pass defense, They just got to fix what they have. They have to manage what they have properly. That means be more efficient in terms of the run game, in terms of carries and touches. We all know Tony Pollard needs more and Ezekiel needs less until he shows us that he still runs with that same flavor and that same labor that he did earlier in his career. All of that can add up. All I'm saying is they do have the recipe for success, but maybe they need to cook it up just a little differently. But if I watched another team go from four wins to cooking it up properly and making it to the Super Bowl, no one in their right mind is going to tell me the Dallas Cowboys can't do that same thing. Coming up, Kyler Murray can get a big payday this offseason. We'll tell you if the Cardinals should break the bank for him. But first, Steph Curry had a rare off night in game five. Mm-hmm. Tell you how important game six is for the Warriors superstar. Next, don't speak for yourself. These three fingers. Oh, y'all getting some shout outs today. A very odd thing happened in game five of the NBA Finals earlier this week. Steph Curry had an off night, did not make a three pointer. Steph is still the front runner for Finals MVP, according to Fox Best Sportsbook. And earlier this week, Jermon Green said he's going to quote, be livid going into game six tomorrow night. Got to bring in Fox NBA analyst and NBA champion Antoine Walker. But Slick, how important is game six for Steph Curry on the shot? Boy. I hate to say it, Marcellus, Twan, but it is very important. It's not important to me because I understand that Steph Curry is elite and that I don't even know that he needs a bounce back game the way some people believe he did. I don't think he played that poorly. In Game 5, I believe he simply Mm -hmm. shot the three ball uh, not as well as he normally does going Mm -hmm. 0 for 9. But 16 points, 8 assists, only one turnover, played stout defense, uh, part of a great defensive effort by the Warriors collectively, demonstrated actually that he is more of a uh, than just a shooter, more than just a three-point scorer. But for the hypercritics, like a Marcellus Wiley, and he is not the exception out there. I don't think he's the rule, but I think there are a healthy number of Marcellus Wileys out there who still (laughs) don't want to buy into the idea that Steph Curry is an elite top player in the NBA. And Mm. so for them, he needs to step up and have a rebound game to demonstrate once again that he's capable. Because I will say this, and this is where Marcellus... I, I, I go along with you in terms of what Steph needs to be or needs to demonstrate to put himself in the ranks of Kobe and Michael Jordan and LeBron and mm-hmm. et cetera, is that those guys, when they needed to summon a great game, when they were being challenged to have a great game, they invariably were able to summon summon it. If they were angry, if they felt like they were being disrespected, they wanted to prove to you that you were making a big mistake doing that. So Steph Curry comes through in game six in a big way. He's answering the critics, and I would dare say seals his finals MVP selection, and that should be enough to answer the critics like Marcellus. But without (laughs) it, it leaves the door open to suggest <laughs> that Steph is a, a 
championship caliber player. He's mm-hmm. a great player, mm-hmm. but he doesn't deserve to be in that very top pantheon. Mm. Well, Rick, let me let me let me start off with this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna run off a few things just to start off about Steph. Three time champion. Okay, two time. Twan, this is what listen, I need listen, to know. Twan, before you go, before you go, I need to know. Are you in the Marcellus camp or mean? are you in the Buker camp? Oh. Are you in the slick camp? Well, I got to pick. Well, I need to I'm, know I'm right, off the, right off the I'm, bat. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in the employee number eight Antoine Walker camp Ooh. with this comment. Oh, Just man. hear me out. One second. Hear me out. Mm. All First right. of all, you got the, Steph Curry is a three-time MVP. Yeah. I mean, three-time NBA champion. He's a two-time yeah. MVP. I'm sorry. Okay. Eight-time All-Star. Mm. Two-time scoring champ. Uh-oh. And all-time three-point leader. I just wanted to name off a few of his accomplishments. He has many more accomplishments than that. I say that to say this point, and you said it. If you want to start mentioning him with the greats, he did that. He had that game to me. I think that 43-point game is the game in this series. He had it in game four. That puts him in that conversation of great players and what they've done in the finals. Obviously, he's missing the MVP in the finals. And if they win, he's probably going to get that, that award because I can't see him not playing well and them getting out this series. So I think that's really up to him and when they're able, if they're able to take care of business and win this series, he'll be the MVP of the finals, and he'll add that to his list of accomplishments. I think the problem is that people want to understand is that after game five, they see Steph that doesn't have to have 30 for them to win. And I think that's important that people know. Steph has to be solid. They would Obviously, they would love him to play well, but he, if he stays within the team concept, does not go out there and mm. try to get 40, they're going to have a better chance to win. Mm. When Golden State is at their best, and if you follow Golden State, they're at their best when they have four or five guys in double figures, when they have 25-plus assists as a team, when they're able to contain the paint, control the paint, and when their defensive effort is at a a very high level. That's when Golden State is at their best. So Steph doesn't have to come out and get 40 to prove that, oh, I had one bad game, five, and I'm going to come out here and get 40. That's going to be a recipe for disaster if he takes that approach to it and try to have a better game individually and not think of the team concept. They were great in game five because of the total team concept, and he was he was able to, no matter what he was going on him personally, he stayed within the team, and the team delivered for him. So Steph will be fine. This is going to be a great game, game six. Looking forward to seeing it. But Steph has to make sure that he doesn't go out there and try to have 40. Keep it in the team concept mm. because that's when they're at their best. This game is so important to Steph Curry if he wants to move up <laughs> in terms of legacy into the top 10 with the all-time greats. And Steph Curry knows He's never this. getting in the top 10. See, that's the point. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. I'm glad you brought it up before I had to bring it up. <laughs> Steph Curry has more team accomplishments than some in the top 10. Look at Will Chamberlain. Let's talk about Hakeem Olajuwon. You can talk about individuals who don't have the team accomplishments of a Steph Curry. And then Steph Curry has the condiment of saying, I don't know, I'm the greatest shooter of all time. What tremendous team success, and you have an accolade that you're the greatest of doing something of all time and still not a top 10 player? What does that tell you? We're telling on ourselves. There's something missing with Steph Curry in terms of his legacy. We simply say it's the finals MVP, but it's a little bit more than that. Let's talk about it. Steph Curry has responded with this team this year and in years past 
when you count him out. Let's talk about this series. When he had the injured ankle after game four, we was like, I don't know about Steph Curry in terms of coming back. And then he comes back in game four, and what does he give you? 43 points. Steph Curry, we counted you out. Look at you respond. But the question is, when we count on you, Steph Curry, will you respond the same? Oh, let's go back to when Mm. Steph Curry had to guard LeBron. Oh, that ain't happening. We can't count on you to guard LeBron. Hey, Iggy, come over here and do that for him and win the finals MVP. Oh, Steph Curry with your injuries in the ankles and you win 73 games, unanimous MVP. Oh, but you didn't win the championship that year. So now we can't count on you necessarily. Go recruit Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant made it easy for these Golden State Warriors to win back to back. And then they were winning their third title in a row. KD gets injured. Hey, Steph, we need to count on you to get us past this finish line. And Steph, once again, didn't live up to the task. So now we're here. With Steph Curry, once again, when he's counted out, he responds in his biggest fashion. But when we count on you, we can't let Steph Curry win another championship. And all of a sudden, we saw a clunker of a game slick in game five. And then you back that up potentially with another clunker while Andrew Wiggins is soaring. And we know Andrew Wiggins is playing both sides of the court where Steph Curry yeah, let's just say if the three-point shot is not going, then a lot of things are not going well for Steph Curry. I'm not a hater. I'm just trying to get Steph Curry where he properly belongs in terms of (laughs) top 10 criteria. But there are standards, principalities to this, Smokey. If he going to be a top 10 player with all of those team accolades and that individual achievement of being the greatest shooter ever, you're going to have to show up when we count on you, Steph, and that's going to be tomorrow. Uh, all right, I got to clean up a few things on aisle five before I get to my <laughs> next point. And number one is this idea that if he doesn't shoot the three ball well, that he's not efficient or he's not effective. He did have eight assists and only one turnover. He was, when he was doubled, he wasn't just finding guys, he was finding guys for buckets. Mm-hmm. Second part is he was 0 for 9 from three point range. He shot. 7 for 22 overall. That means he was 7 for 13 inside the arc. Mm -hmm. That's a very good number. And uh, these highlights that we showed showed you the array of type of shots that he was making and making at important points in the game. So, But I answered that this game – oh, and by the way, Andrew Wiggins – Okay, yes, huh? plays at both ends. Huh? The next time Andrew Wiggins is double teamed will be the first time in this series. <laughs> Just true. saying. So true. <laughs> uh, but here's, here's the distinction is that I said that this game was important for Steph Curry because I assumed that it was important for you, Marcellus Wiley, and all the critics out there, including, it sounds like, Antoine Walker, who says that there's no way he can get into the top 10. That's a debate for another day. Mm. But that said, so that would suggest that this game is not important because there is nothing that Steph Curry can do in this game that is going to change your mind about where he is. He could have a great game. He could win finals MVP. He could have all of that. But it doesn't sound like for Tuan or for you, Marcellus, that it would move the needle and change the way you see Steph Curry as he is now compared to those other greats. I, I read off those individual accolades for that that's reason reason only. His legacy is already set. I don't think this game six is going to change anything, whether he wins or loses, or whether he plays good or bad. Obviously, he can add to it if they win it. Obviously, mm-hmm. another championship. 
And if they win it, he'll obviously he'll be the MVP of the final. So he can only add to it. And Rick, I do I do not believe he can crack that top ten. I know that's debatable, but Jordan James, Chamberlain Bird, O'Neal, Tim Duncan, Kareem, Magic Bird, Bill Russell. Mm. I'll let you think about that. Mm. I just ran those mm. off. I'll let you think about Ooh. that. And my when bet. you when you're ready to re- when you're ready to remove one of those names, oh. then we can talk about it. God. But that's 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 my list real quickly. Yeah. And that and I know it's not that's not the topic of discussion, but that's a tough list to crack. Regardless of what he does in Game Six, that's a strong list. I'm not gonna. I, I, I'm not oh, gonna debate think? that. I'm not gonna throw another list at you. Okay. I, there's a couple names there. One because of eras. Like we put Bill Russell. Like is he automatic top ten because of? I just feel like the game has changed so much. I don't oh. even know if you can. Oh. You can oh, manage really? that. Oh, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. <sighs> dominant in a period of time, what? but huh? uh, top 10, he wouldn't be in my top 10. No. I'll tell you that right now. Um, there are other guys okay. who may be. So we can get to that. I just, I, this is what is unique about Steph. And, the, and this is the line that I draw between him and Kobe and Jordan, mm. is that Steph has never stopped improving. He mm. has never stopped developing his game. He's better now defensively than I've ever seen him. His offensive game has evolved so that he's not just a three-point scorer. He continues to get better. And I can't say that about Shaquille O'Neal. Can't say that about Charles Barkley. Can't say that about a number of great players who might be in somebody's top 10. So that's the distinction that I make. And that's why I'm not going to close the door on Steph still making it into the top 10. He's not there now, mm. but I can't close it simply because even at 34, he continues to improve. I give you that point. He continues to improve. Uh, but we, as we watch Steph Curry, got to respect that even some of the all-time greats who at the end of their career weren't at their peak level. Michael Jordan, obviously. Shaquille O'Neal, you could pick on all of them. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What does that matter? Like, we're always adding, we're always subtracting. So I'm not with Twan in terms of he can't make the top 10. I'm just saying, if you're going to make the top 10, bro, you're going to have to do something, not only game six, but continue to show up when they count on you most. And Steph Curry, eh, let's just say he picks and chooses when he shows up when they need him most. (laughs) Let's be real. Steph Curry came into this series averaging almost seven assists. It's already down to four. Slick wants to point out the one game he has eight. Well, Steph Curry already made a selfish mindset switch of this series. I'm trying to win finals MVP this series. I got the Kobe Mamba mentality. Not only do I want to win, but I want to be the reason we win. Well, if you want to be the reason, don't go out there and have 16 points, Steph Curry. Don't go out there and lead the Warriors in turnovers this series, Steph Curry. Don't have a plus minus a minus nine in the fourth quarter when they need you most, Steph Curry. Curry, see, I do my homework, Slick Rick. You want to know why? Because growing up, they told me I was a good student. Matter of fact, they told me I was an amazing student, outstanding student. And then I got to Columbia and realized that all A students aren't created equal. And that's what Steph Curry has come to realize when it comes to him trying to make it into the top 10. There are A students. And there are A-minus students, and there are these A-plus students. And now you can hear about these 5.0 GPA students. I don't know what the hell that is. But the point is, this is what Steph Curry is dealing with. What type of A student are you? Are you old Marcellus at public school in Westchester in L.A.? 
Are you in the Ivy League still standing tall as an A-plus student? When you put Steph Curry against the other top ten players, that's when you realize where he really is. Not A-plus. Not A. A-minus at best. Coming up, we have a lot more on the finals. We'll tell you if this series has changed our opinion of Jason Tatum. And that's next on Speak for Yourself. Oh, I'm glad we ran out of time on you, Slick, because I know you had something. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. The final weekend of the USFL regular season is here. And Saturday, the championship favorite, Birmingham Stallion. Look to get ready for the playoffs and the showdown with the Tampa Bay Bandits for Eastern on Fox. Then on Sunday, the New Orleans Breakers and the Houston Gamblers square off under the lights. 8.30 Eastern on FS1. USFL football Saturday, Sunday on Fox and FS1. Game six is back in Boston tomorrow night. A lot of eyes will be on Jason Tatum with his new team. Uh-oh, they're down three to two. Tatum scored 27 points in their loss in game five. But he's been up and down, let's be real, in this series and is shooting around 37% on field goals in the finals. So, Antoine, have the finals changed your opinion of Jason Tatum? Not at all. Uh, this is a superstar, you know, first team All-NBA. I think this guy's great. The ceiling is so high for him. Uh, when I think about what he's done so far in his playoffs, you go through Kevin Durant, you've been through Giannis, arguably the best player in the world, You've been through Jimmy Butler, and now you're going into game six of the finals at the age of 24, and you've led this team there. And you've had some memorable moments already in the playoffs and elimination games and keeping your team alive. So it doesn't change my opinion of you. Now, does he have to get better? Because he, because now you're at that level where, I like I just said, you're a first-time, um, first-team all-NBA player. Of course. The two-point percentage is, is weird to me that he hasn't been able to finish at the paint. Um, the one thing that is disturbing more so than the two-point, I think, is his free-throw percentage in the finals. I think he's only shooting like 64% in the finals from the free-throw mm-hmm. line. He's got to be a lot better there. The three-point shot obviously has been excellent. It's been bailing him out. I thought he's been a great, willing passer throughout the series. The turnovers are a little high. He's had 18 turnovers in five games. We saw only three a game. With his ball uses, that's not too bad. But Jason Tatum is, is fine. Obviously, we're still searching for that big game, maybe looking for that 35, 40-point game. He's done it. Obviously, we've seen him do it in Milwaukee, at Milwaukee. He's at home now. There's no excuse. You're at home now. you got a chance to extend the series, get into a game seven. I want to see him bounce back and have a great game. And that's all the way through. He played well in game five, but he didn't close that game out. Mm. That, that was a bad fourth quarter from Jason Tatum. He's got to finish those games out. And if he's able to do that, like I said, the ceiling is so high for him, he's going to continue to get better and better. Mm. Twan, the turnovers are not a little high. The turnovers are record-setting Three a game ain't that bad with high. his ball usage. <laughs> he, Three a game? he set the record. He set the record for most turnovers in a postseason with 95. He holds that record going into game six. And LeBron James is the one who held it in 2018. And you might say, well, that's select company. It's doing something like LeBron. It can't be all bad. Mm. But LeBron also had twice as many assists as Tatum has, uh, has delivered. No, uh, to answer the question, it has not changed my opinion. It has confirmed it. And I don't Woo. put him in that superstar category. And yes, he is only wow. 24 and he has accomplished 
a lot. But for me, we throw around the title superstar way too casually. Mm -hmm. I can't just have a player who is a star, a player who demonstrates that he can play like a superstar at times. I need a player who doesn't play to the level of his team, but that he brings the level of his team up to him. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I have seen consistently with Tatum. When Tatum has his best games, it is a result of the Boston Celtics having their best games. And conversely, there are times where the Celtics play well, except for Jason Tatum. And so, uh, look, we just talked about this with Steph Curry, but that's the exception rather than the rule when it comes to Steph. Every player, every great player has off games, but it's really the, the reverse with Jason where he has these great superstar-like games. I, I, watching him go toe-to-toe with Giannis, I've seen it. I've seen it during the regular season in stretches. But anybody who's followed Tatum's career knows that he's started seasons awful. And then he gets to January, and suddenly he's on fire, and the second half looks nothing like the first half. I need more consistency from Tatum before I'm going to put him in that superstar category. And I feel like there's been this been tremendous rush to judgment to want to anoint him the next. I don't know whether it's the Kobe narrative and his attachment with him or what it is, but mm. I'm going to slow my roll here on saying that Jason Tatum is a superstar just yet. I'm not saying he can't get there, but I'm not putting him in that category yet. And the way he has performed in these finals has confirmed to me that he does not deserve to be in that category just yet. Man, I was on the fence with this one because I truly root for Jason Tatum and believe in his superstar abilities like you, Antoine. But Slick came through with the fire. Man, Dylon, Dylon, Dylon. <laughs> and broke it down to a point where ah, it's not just growing pains, y'all. Yes, my opinion of Jason Tatum has changed. Let me first of all personalize this because growing up, I played running back. Growing up, I was probably top five running back all time in Pop Warner. I got the film to prove it. I was silly as a kid. And then I had Osgood Slaughters. Anybody knows what that is? Basically, your body is telling you, you about to grow. But right now, you're going to go through the growing pains. Let's just say mm. while I was going through my Osgood Slaughters and my episode, it changed the opinions of those around me in terms of my athletic ability. I started to get a little awkward, right? I wasn't the same guy. Growing pains, they kept saying. But why am I now playing offensive line and defensive line instead of running back? Because their opinions of me change, and I gave them the ammunition. I relate that to this with Jason Tatum. Antoine, I don't think you're a liar, but I think you're lying. But is it a lie if you think it's true? And I think you really believe it's true. But guess what? Jason Tatum, man, this dude is out here tripping. He leads the series in turnovers, whatever. He's shooting 37% from the field, postseason low. He's shooting 65 from the line, as you pointed out, postseason low. He's shooting 30% from two, postseason low. Dude's taking 82 shots. It's not like he hasn't had opportunities. He's just not converting with these opportunities. So as much as I want to say growing pains, 
My experience tells me, no, that also comes with you're different. And Jason Tatum coming into this series, my expectations were higher for him than what I've seen him realize. I understand game one, 12 points. Everybody was like, I'm off of Jason Tatum. Move on, man. I don't care if you were first team, first team all NBA. But he's backed it up since then, 28, 26, 23, 27. Not always efficient, but he's had production. Second most amount of points in this series. But you add it all up, man. I hate to say it. Jason Tatum made us all look at him and have to squint to see the true Jason Tatum and his all-NBA status. <laughs> Rick, let me ask you a question. Let me get to Rick here first. I'll get back mm-hmm. to you, Mark, myself in one second. Let me get to Rick first. Mm-mm. Rick, you have, you have a vote for uh, our first team and our MVP and all that stuff. You have a vote, right? Mm. Yes. Yes. Oh. Okay. So did you vote for Tatum to be on first team All-NBA? I did not. Did you vote for him for MVP? Did he get an MVP vote from you? He did not. Oh, oh. oh. Okay. So when the Celtics start in January, when the Celtics turned this thing around and started to become this world beat of a team, how big of a role did Jason Tatum play in that? Mm. How big of a role did Jason Tatum play in that? Huh? He played a big role. I I didn't hear you. He was a big part of that. (laughs) He was a big. He was a big. He was a big. Part of that. Wait, no, but wait a minute. I didn't hear you. When did you say that started? January. Well, it was January. Um, I, when did the season? When uh, did the season a, start? January. It was a. It was a lot of no, things. See. It was a lot of things going on. It was a lot of things going on. Yeah, like basketball games. What you mean? <laughs> we were dealing with COVID. And how we much? Dealing with guys still dealing with COVID. Okay. He, he had to, he, he, All right. he had to deal with. He had to deal with you guys every day. Every day talking about breaking up Jalen Brown and him. He had to deal with all that. But you know what he did? What he, put his he had big to deal with Marcus pants. Smart saying that too. But you know what he did? He put, a big, he put his big boy pants on yeah. and became a first team yes, all NBA performer. Yeah. And no, guess what he's doing he now? He's in the NBA. He's in the NBA finals, game six on his home floor. Mm. He's led this team there. You cannot tell me this guy's not a superstar. Mm. He's easily a superstar. I would love to see your list. I would love to see your short list of superstars in this, in this NBA. Yeah. I would love to see it because I'm pretty sure you got Kevin Durant on it who got swept by Jason oh, Tatum. Person. Right? It, 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 I'm is, sure you got, it is a I'm short sure you, list. I'm sure you got, I'm sure you got Giannis <laughs> on it who got beat by Jason Tatum. Ooh. And do you got Jimmy okay. Butler on it? Okay, hold on. Fire. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. I'm hold just on. saying. You I'm, can't say this I, I am not going to say that Jason Tatum – Jason Tatum beat Kevin Durant. Jason Tatum beat Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'll say that the Celtics beat the Brooklyn Nets. Mm. Jason, no, well, uh, well, the Celtics oh, and Jason Tatum you know, beat the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Those were collective, those were collective accomplishments. Can you say can you say led by Jason Tatum Ooh, at least? Say it, Slick. Say it. No, Just say no, I can't. Led. No, I can't. No, oh, I can't. Wow. And that's that's the problem that I have. That's the problem and that I have. Okay, Especially if we're gonna go back to just, if we're gonna go back to game five. Jason Tatum came out. Jason Tatum came out in game five and was shook. So shook that Ime Adoka had to sub him out early mm. because he was dribbling the ball off his leg, mm. guarded by Kevin Looney, mm. 25 feet from the basket. Mm. Like, I don't know what was Ricky. going on with Jason, but that was not leading. He got hot in the middle, and then when they needed him at the end, again, was not there and was not able to deliver. 
He is a star, and mm. I'm not going to dismiss the possibility that he can become a superstar. But he has not de- the lead. I'm glad you brought up leadership, because to me, that's the number one thing missing with this team, and the number one thing that I would want from Jason Tatum on a on a consistent basis. And Tuan, I know you know this because I know you are that kind of player. Mm. You never blinked. You never hesitated. Give me the ball and I'm going to go get it done. And I dare say you have seen instances where Jason Tatum looks like he does not want the ball because he's not sure that he can get it done. But you also got to understand, too, Rick, this is his first time in the finals. <laughs> this is his first time in the finals. At, at, at the age of 24, it's not going to be perfect. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. take a stat from my guy, Chris Boussard, who I work with, where we are, our co-work. He always talks about Larry Bird's two first fighters when he had eight points back-to-back. It happens to the best mm-hmm. of us. Mm. This is his first time on the big stage. The way the Celtics are going and as young as they are, they'll be back on the stage again. Just like Steph has been there six out of eight times. So we're dissecting Steph on one game six. And we're talking about one game six in his sixth trip to the finals because he don't have an MVP award. So it's the same thing with Jason Tatum. He's been in a ton of meaningful games. He's been in the Eastern Conference Finals several times in his career. He's got over the hump. And he went through a tough task to get over the hump. This guy's been in two game sevens in this playoff. He'll be there. He'll be right. Everything will have to be very Obviously, the two-point shot. Hasn't been efficient, but besides that, I don't think the turnovers are that bad. You're saying they're high as the playoff as a whole, but 18 turnovers for a, a guy whose ball usage is where is that? This guy has the ball. All right, Twan. They don't play with a <laughs> they don't play with a traditional point guard, Rick. Government. They don't have a traditional point guard. Twan. No, so no, understood. Understood. About the government. <laughs> the government name coming out. Twan. Slick mad. Let's go. Twan. Twan. <laughs> oh, now this is good. the thing because I know you know this. I know you know this because you didn't answer my question about Jason not wanting the ball in certain situations or looking hesitant about getting it done. And the second part, and I know why you didn't answer it because you know I'm right and because I know you've seen it because you know the difference. Bingo. The second is not all turnovers are created equal. Mm. And I'm okay with a turnover by aggression. Like some of the turnovers that Marcus Smart makes, I wish he didn't make it. But it's in a turnover of aggression. Tatum, in too many cases, it's a turnover at the beginning of the game with Robert Williams. I'm 28 feet from the basket. I throw a casual little lob behind Robert Williams, and it's a fast break going the other way. At the beginning of a pivotal game five, Tatum, I cannot have that from my best player. And I know you know that. And I know, I have no doubt. You see what Tatum is capable of, and you are buying into that. But I'm going to look at strictly what he has done to this point and done in this series, and I'm not going to look just at the numbers. I'm going to, have, I'm going to look at how those numbers were collected, and it hasn't been superstar level. Man. Okay, last question, though, Mark, for you. Last question for Rick. If the Celtics win this series, is Jason Tatum the MVP of this series? Uh, as of right now, Jalen Brown's got a better uh, b- better odds of that. But it would I would say if <laughs> yeah. they win it, yeah. it's going to be decided by these last two games. Yeah. So we actually we said how important is the game for Steph Curry? This game and the next if there's a second if there's a seventh game may be far more important to Jason Tatum than anybody else in uh, okay. in these finals. Yeah, I'm with you there. Oh man, look. 
If they win the finals, that means Jason Tatum has to go off for them to even win these next two games, which means he puts himself in the conversation. But Steph Curry probably still has a better chance. Depends on how Steph Curry plays. Like you said, Jalen Brown has a – Andrew Wiggins, we don't know how he's going to play these next two games. They all are being that conversation. Woo! I love to have me. Some friends like Antoine Walker talking about optimism. <laughs> Talk about, as, as Slick would call it, you hold on to that hope rope and tie a knot. I got the hope rope in the clinch. But to your point, Antoine, for real, uh, LeBron James, we all saw him in his first NBA Finals appearance. Not the best version of LeBron James. Got swept in the Finals against the Spurs. 35 from the field, 20 from three. Yuck. Dirk, same thing. 1-2 in Miami. Then swept up off the floor. Get up out of here. Shot 25 from Three, Dirk. Yep, Kobe Bryant, even his success. Only averaged 15 points, shot 20% from three and 36 from the field. I hear you, Twan. I hear you, Twan. I hear you, Twan. But, Twan, you sound like how I sound when I talk about my son, MJ. Let me personalize it. Because my son, MJ, he had a little talent in there. I don't know what level. I don't know if he A minus, A, A plus. But he had a little something in there. We played football this year in the spring, first time. First carry ever, MJ takes it to the house. You know inside, I'm like, ah, got one. On the outside, I'm like, okay, okay. But I had an expectation of MJ, pretty high. Then MJ decides that he wants to be cute with the football every time he gets it. And he runs straight to the sidelines, straight to the sidelines. Hi, mama. Hi, dad. Bleacher to bleacher. And I'm like, no, son. The end zone's that way. Uh, Things change for him, right? And it's okay. Jason Tatum, I know you're amazing. All NBA, you've been great. But things have changed in these finals. You don't look like the same guy. MJ wasn't the same runner after that first carry. All of that said, star or superstar is what we really boil this conversation down to. And you could be close to something and be real far from it that fast. Y'all remember growing up, you had, you had your friends, your bestie, you thought. Y'all in the eighth grade, this is my best friend. Oh, where are you going to school next year? Oh, I'm going across town. Oh, man, I'm going to the other school. That's all right. We best friends. Then y'all show up the next year, realize, oh, we were just associates. We just had the same classes. Because y'all ain't staying in touch like that. Y'all ain't cool like that. You could be real close and that far, that fast. That's who Jason Tatum is to me right now. That close, but still that far from being a superstar. Coming up, Lamar Jackson is back. But we'll tell you if he can return to MVP form this season. Speaking of a superstar, that's next. Don't speak for yourself. Let's head to Baltimore, where the face of the franchise, Lamar Jackson, is back for minicamp. He missed all of the Ravens' voluntary workouts this offseason. I said voluntary, and is still without a long-term extension. But he seems fired up to be back, saying in a video earlier this week that he's ready for the season. So, TJ, will Lamar Jackson return to MVP form this season? For the next handful of years, as long as Lamar Jackson is under center, mm. he will be a MVP candidate. Mm. Period. Strong. Strong. Lamar is the youngest quarterback to win MVP in NFL history. Lamar Jackson was just banged up last year, nicked up, had low injuries, and his athleticism is such a huge part of his game. If he doesn't have that, he's not Lamar. But Lamar is still young. The Ravens are a great organization. Defensively, they're going to keep them in the game because they're going to play great defense. We haven't seen anything like Lamar Jackson in the history of the league that can run the way he can run. His passing is improving. I believe the system somewhat holds him back, but that same system Mm. also gives him things that other... 
the way they run the ball, the zone reads, the way they fake the run and he can hit Mark Andrews. He's just so dynamic that as long as he's healthy, he's an MVP candidate every single year. Now what's going to happen is Lamar Jackson is going to have to get better, not, at, not as a passer, better as understanding I'm my team's best player. I have to be available. Mm. If I have to slide here and there, it's okay. I don't have to take this hit and get three yards. I'll just get one yard. Those two yards aren't worth that hit. That's the evolution of Lamar Jackson moving forward. But he's the MVP candidate the next handful of years as long as he's healthy. I'm with you there. Of course he is. Uh, It's only two of those guys created in terms of unanimous MVPs. One is uh uh-huh and one is uh uh-huh. And Lamar Jackson is one of them. Come on, him and Tom Brady, y'all better stop playing with this dude right here. Ah, we told Lamar Jackson he couldn't even play the quarterback position. Now, someone is going to be out there and tell him he can't be an MVP once again? Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Lamar Jackson had this team at 8-3 and three last year. I know a lot of times we look at the total record and we just say, oh, man, they were good or they were bad. But you forget the details. Well, the devil's in the details. It wasn't just Lamar Jackson banged up. Do y'all remember in the offseason going into training camp? Who was the favorite to win the Super Bowl? One of those teams were the Baltimore Ravens. Then we saw injuries. Marcus Peters, uh uh-oh. Ronnie Stanley, uh uh-oh. J.K. Dobbins, uh uh-oh. Gus Edwards. These are names you don't have to Google, y'all. Okay, Marlon Humphrey, uh uh-oh. And then you, Derek Wolf, uh uh-oh. They started to just get plucked away, and then Lamar Jackson went down. Eight and three team all of a sudden find themselves falling short of the playoffs. But now, Lamar Jackson coming back healthy. Lamar Jackson, please don't tell me that he was built off of Hollywood Brown and Hollywood's not there. Hollywood had one great year with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had an MVP candidate candidacy and won it without Hollywood Brown being that guy. So all this adds up to a healthy team, a healthy Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens not only contending, but Lamar Jackson contending for that MVP. Man, for two guys who could not have have been more wrong about the Dallas Cowboys, you could not be more right about the Baltimore Ravens. And I say that as a Cincinnati Bengals fan who would like to believe different. But if there is any team in the AFC North that makes me uh, nervous or Mm. makes me feel like, can the Bengals replicate what they did from a year ago? It is the Baltimore Ravens. And it is Lamar Jackson. I, all the points you guys made, I agree with a thousand percent. On top of the fact that uh, not only was Lamar hurt, and not only were the the Ravens hurt, but the uh, the division was a little bit different than it is now. Browns, we don't know what's going to go on with them with Deshaun Watson. Pittsburgh Steelers clearly in rebuilding. Bengals, can they replicate what they did? So the door is wide open for the Ravens. But there's one element that you two, as former professional athletes, I cannot believe you have yet to mention, which is the fact that Lamar Jackson comes into this season betting on Lamar Jackson. Oh, there it is. There is, aside from everything else, there is the motivation of, I want to get paid like an MVP. And so Mm. far, the negotiations have not made it seem like they are making an MVP-type offer. So Mm. Lamar Jackson not only has every opportunity because of the way the division sizes up and because the Ravens are going to be healthy and he's going to be healthy, but he also has something to play for, which is to get paid. Because right now he's in the last year of his contract and all indications are 
that they are not going to sign or he's not going to sign anything until after this season. Mm. You know what also helps Lamar is he shows up for minicamp, and what is the guys on the team? Oh, man, the energy, everything around the building is just different. They believe in this dude wholeheartedly. When you have a quarterback that's the leader of your team and the rest of the players follow him, it makes your team better. What, the only thing that concerns me is this. You're an MVP, former MVP, and you're a candidate every year. Sign the contract. It, oh, it's, oh, don't are, do that. Are they offering him something mm. that he doesn't want? No. Nope. I don't understand oh, I can help you. what's going on <laughs> with the contract. Like, Aaron Rodgers is making $50 million a year. Deshaun Watson is making $46. Yeah. I'm coming right in there. Yeah, they yeah. must be offering him something less than that. And he said, okay, I'm going to do this Kirk Cousins thing then. Mm. I'm going to play it out, and I'm going to franchise. You're going to franchise me twice, and then I'm going to get paid. I don't like that. Sign the contract. Get what you can get now, meaning four years, $200 million. <laughs> that, that That's what it is. You're an MVP at the age of 22. That's what you deserve. Don't play around with your money, Lamar, because if you get hurt, it's going to be, okay, let's wait to see what happens next year. This team believes in him. John Harbaugh, one of the best coaches in the league, and it's what you said. I guess I grew up a Cowboys fan. I'm no longer oh, a Oh, it's coming out. Now we get it. Let's but go. I'm really a Bengals fan. I'm really a Bengals fan right. because I played the majority you, of my career. I root for the Bengals more than any other team. Come on over. And, and so come on over, it's what you said. Come on. That's over. good for the division yeah. that Baltimore is going to be good. We're going to really see what the Bengals got. But Lamar Jackson is that dude. 20, you, we've never seen anybody come into the league and do what Lamar did. Never. No. I don't think we'll see no. it again. But MVP candidate, yes. The Ravens need to pay the man, though. Yeah, it's not just in style points either. It's also substance. Lamar Jackson, of all players under the age of 25 at the quarterback position, uh, has the most wins of all of them. Yep, that includes Dan Marino. That includes Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Bledsoe. You name the quarterback. Yep, Lamar Jackson beat all of those guys. You got to remember what happened to the Ravens last year. The injuries really Ravaged this team. Four yeah. Ravens starters played all 17 games. Just four. The third most injured team in the NFL. And we saw Lamar Jackson miss the final four games of the season. A team that was 8-3 and three all of a sudden just fell short. But I love TJ's point about, man, what is he thinking? If he gets hurt, what's going to happen to the money? Lamar Jackson is playing this perfectly. Slick. There's no bad offer coming from the Ravens because there's no offer at all because there's no negotiation. Lamar Jackson said, I'm not coming to the table because I know one thing about the NFL, that your contract will be greater later, no matter who you are. Think about it. We talk about Joey Bosa. I always bring this up because someone sent me some stats of me early in my career compared to Joey Bosa, and I was way closer than I thought I was. But my contract was nowhere close to what Joey Bosa got because it always is greater later. The cap goes up. So TJ says, but what if you get hurt? Well, Dak Prescott raises his hand and says, even if you get hurt, big dog, they're going to check the resume and say, you're going to get paid. You're young and enough to come back from it. Come on, we're going to bet on you like he's betting on himself. And then Kirk Cousins raises his hand, as you guys mentioned, and he's like, you could work this franchise tag all the way into success. Long story short, Matthew Stafford signed a big deal like 2017. They looked at Kirk Cousins and said, please, we ain't giving you Matthew Stafford money. Take this franchise tag. Take this franchise tag. If you add up their dollar values and how much they've made since that point, 
Kirk Cousins has made more than Matthew Stafford. Kirk Cousins, he ain't even half as good as Matthew Stafford. Now let's just take out uh, Kirk Cousins and put in Lamar Jackson. It's going to be greater later. That dude is smart. Even an injury, he's protected. He's an MVP. Maybe a two-time one by that time. Coming up, Kyler Murray wants a big extension. Speaking of all this money talk, but should the Cardinals break the bank to get it done? We'll answer that next on Spruce for Your Girls. Kyler Murray reported for the Cardinals' mandatory minicamp earlier this week, but he still has the very public desire for an extension that is on par with the top-tier quarterbacks. Cliff Kingsbury said he's praying a deal happens before training camp. Here's more from the head coach. Take a listen. We're about to make him, um, like, I'm sure the highest paid player in this franchise history. And, and so he understands what comes with that. And, and the guys know what he can be at his best. And, and anytime um, we can get the whole band out there, um, things pick up. So slick should the Cardinals break the bank for Kyler Murray. Oh, this is a hard one for me, guys, because I believe that Kyler Murray has elite talent, but wow. I'm not convinced yet that he's an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that's where I pause. And it's not, not, it doesn't have anything to do with his talent. As I said, it has to do with his maturity. And yes, he's a young quarterback, and yes, he can still mature and he can grow, but there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. And when you start thinking about the number that the Arizona Cardinals are suggesting that he's going to get, that makes me nervous. And if you don't fully, if you're not sure on a player, mm. that usually means that the answer is no. It's, mm. it's, it's I want to believe mm. because I've seen glimpses of it and I want to believe that it's going to become to, it's going to come to fruition, but I've got to pay for it right now and I've got to pay absolute top dollar to see it. So no, I I don't believe that they should break the bank. Do I think that they will? Yes, they will. But as we saw with Dak Prescott, we've seen with any number of other quarterbacks that showed indications of being that kind of a guy. And again, I go back to it. Like it's a lot that's very unique about Kyler Murray. And we were just talking about Lamar Jackson. But there's a distinction there. I never questioned Lamar Jackson's maturity. I never questioned his ability to lead an entire team. And while Kingsbury may say all those guys know what he's capable of, I don't know if they all believe that he's going to give them what he's capable of on a regular basis. So this is a tough one for me because I look at Kyler Murray and he's a game changer. He does some things that simply very few players are capable of doing. But there are some missing elements here that make me question, can he take full advantage of all the, the ability that he has? Can he lead a team? And so for that reason, mm. reluctantly, even though it's not my money, I would say no. <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals should not break the bank on Kyler Murray. Should the Cardinals break the bank for Kyler Murray? Yes. Mm. The Cardinals were trash can <laughs> before Kyler Murray got there. Trash can. Rubbish. They, they drafted him number one for a reason. Ooh. They were trash. Mm. And so they were 3-13 and 13 in 2018. They draft Kyler Murray. They go 5-10, and 10, one tie. Next year, oh, he improves. Mm. He goes 8-8. Eight eight. Mm. Last year, oh, he improved again. 9-5. Mm. We're talking 
Kyler Murray as a starter. He's improved the record win-loss every year he's been the starter. The Arizona Cardinals, if they don't pay Kyler Murray, what do they do? Start back in the basement again? We're back at ground zero? Let's see if we can build this up again. What do you do? Mm. You have a franchise quarterback. Everybody, that's all we talk about. Oh, they need a franchise quarterback. They need. You have one. Pay him as such. Because this is what's... The reason Kyler Murray is acting the way he's acting, as you pointed out, it's animosity built up because they've shown him we don't really believe in you. You don't really believe in me? <laughs> then I don't believe in you either then. Mm. Why am I going to be here? Mm. Y'all don't want to pay me. Everybody else is getting paid but me. But the last time I looked, you drafted me one. Y'all ain't drafting one anymore. You're not, the fir- you're not getting the first pick because of what I'm helping this franchise do. Man, get this man his money and stop being cheap, Cardinals. There you go. You bet on the arrow, and the arrow's pointing up, improving every year. Win-loss Hey, what did he just say? It's going to be greater Greater. later. It's going to be greater later. Woo, that new media deal kicks in in 2023. You better give him that money now. It's cheaper to keep him right now because, boy, if you wait, it's going to be greater later. Yes, and he's actually earned it. Let's be real. These accolades and achievements don't just come just because you just show up and say, hey, I'm Kyler Murray. How are you? You don't become rookie of the year just because you just showed up. Hey, how are you? You're a two-time pro bowler. Slick says, I don't know if he's mature enough to lead a team. Well, immature quarterbacks have won Super Bowls before. And you tell me this. Immature quarterbacks have had tremendous success. People question the maturity of many a quarterbacks. And tell me if you question the maturity of uh, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Absolutely not. But guess who had a better passer rating than them last year? (laughs) The immature one and Kyler Murray. Tell me if you question the maturity of Aaron Rodgers. Of course not. Well, sometimes personality, but not maturity. Well, Kyler Murray had a better completion percentage than the guy who's Mr. Completion Percentage himself in Aaron Rodgers. Tell me if that's mature enough for you. More yards per game than your favorite quarterback, it seems like, Slick Rick. Kirk Cousins by your full screen earlier in the show. And Josh Allen. Dude went out there and combined for more touchdowns than Russell Wilson, who was a dual threat. Y'all better stop hating on this dude. He has a fully mature passer rating and game that continues to improve. So if you're smart, you better break the bank and bet on the arrow that's going up. My favorite, my favorite quarterback being Kirk Cousins. You were the one who was singing about all the money that he made in spite of the fact that he's only half the quarterback that Matt Stafford is. Touche. I would dare say that he's your favorite quarterback, at least when it comes to going to the bank. Look, speaking of the bank, we're talking about breaking the bank. We're Mm. not talking about paying Kyler. We're talking about giving him absolute top dollar for long term. I assume, TJ, that's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And all I'm saying is, I need to see a little bit more. I need to see See that he's going to continue to mature. Because while there's been the progression, I would dare say that hasn't all been Kyler Murray. Mm. They've done a nice job of uh, improving the team overall. And that's also a reason why the Arizona Cardinals' record overall has improved. And I'm sorry. But I can't get out of my mind what I saw from Kyler Murray in his very first playoff game, Mm. which was the lights were way, way too bright for Kyler Murray. The, The mistakes that were made there were all on Kyler, 
and his reaction to the pressure that he was under. And I saw none of that great talent able to demonstrate itself. So, yeah, excuse me. The two of you, like, it's a no-brainer. You just give him all the money in the world. You back up the Briggs truck, and away we go. Kyler Murray hasn't demonstrated enough for me to put him in the Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and away we go category, or even the Patrick Mahomes category. Because to your point, Marcellus, passer rating isn't a reflection in my mind of maturity. It's how you handle situations like, you know what, we're in a negotiation. This is the NFL. We're a business. And we know that we need to build a team around Kyler. And so we got to be careful about how we spend our money. And if you're going to take that personally, and now you're going to scrub all of your, uh, <laughs> your, your team affiliation yeah. on your social media, like what are we doing here? Yeah. Do you not understand that this is a business? And if you don't, then I have to question your maturity. And if I question your maturity, then I have to question, do I really want to invest in you full-time, long-term? Hey, Rick, it's real convenient when we get better players around me. It's the better players <laughs> the reason why we win. But if it's bad quarterback play, it's bad quarterback play. Ooh. It, it, that, that's real convenient when we want that argument to work. Now, mm. I, I, <clears throat> a maturity question would have never come to the forefront mm. had <clears throat> they paid the man what he wanted. There would have been no questions. When you see franchise quarterbacks become franchise quarterbacks, very rarely do we see them have to wait to get paid. Mm. They get their money. When you don't pay me, I'm a human being. Yeah, I'm going to get in my feelings a little bit. Yeah. And so if I got to scrub you off my social media, hey, I'll be a little immature about that. I got to prove my point because don't uh, tell me. Uh, 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 don't uh, uh, tell uh, me you love me. You got to show hold me. On, hold, Ooh. On. hold on. Married hold on. man just talk a over there. Hold on. Just a second. <laughs> Who were we just talking about in the previous segment? Lamar Jackson. Did Lamar Jackson do all of that? Did Lamar Jackson suddenly feel like the Baltimore Ravens are not respecting me? No. He said, you know what? I'm just going to go out and show you. I'm just going to go and play. Has it affected how he's approached his relationship with the organization? That's why Somewhat. I don't have a he, he wasn't there in OTAs. Somewhat. He Ooh. wasn't there. Ooh. Oh, okay. He wasn't there. But he is there now. Yeah. But he is there now. Well, he's going to be there and, now. And that's, okay, whether you show up, OT, come on, you guys both know. No, like, whether you show up for OTAs, you don't show up for OTAs. Kyler Murray's gone way beyond not showing up for OTAs in terms of how Taking he's handling Taking you off my social media with the or not showing up for a practice. Which one's worse? Yeah, Slick, what you mean he's gone the, way beyond? How's going way beyond? He's gone yeah. way beyond in the negotiation. Lamar doesn't even want to negotiate. It's the owner. It's, it's coach. Everybody in Baltimore is like, we got to pay Lamar now because he's going to be greater later. And Lamar's like, nope, I already know it's going to be greater later. I'll wait. Versus Kyler Murray was in an active negotiation. He's like, y'all insult to me. So I don't care if you get in your feelings. As long as you get into the playbook. As long as you get on that field and still improve year by year. I don't mind if you feel in a certain way. They're not the same thing. They're not analogous. Lamar is just like, look, I'm going to get my money. Kyler wants his now. Okay, take care of the guy. If not, he's going to be in the same position Lamar is. Greater later. Coming up, is Trey Lance ready for the spotlight? That's a question. Ooh, we got TJ here, and we'll tell you if negative rumors about his promotion are something or nothing. The guru's gonna speak next on Speak for Yourself. TJ been working with that dude, ain't you? All signs are pointing to Trey Lance as the 49er starter this season. 
But there could be some red flags. A report says an opposing team's offensive coach pointed out Lance's flow in motion and said it looked, quote, wonky from what he saw of the quarterback last season. So, TJ, are the Trey Lance rumors something or nothing? Absolutely nothing. Everybody always has something to say. Oh, an opposing coach in his throat. Who is the opposing coach? Who are you? Put your name on it. Mm. Like, it boils down to one thing. Can Trey Lance get results? Mm. Can you get results? Mm. Can you Mm. Mm. be Mm. better than what? I don't care how your throwing motion looks. Phillip Rivers had a wonky throwing motion. Big results. (laughs) If you can give me results, I don't care how you throw the ball. I don't care how it looks. Just get the job done. Trey Lance is out here working with 3DQB. They do a hell of a job getting their quarterbacks uh, without a wonky throwing motion. They know <laughs> what they're doing. And so for these coaches or these anonymous coaches that come out and say this, I don't get the reasoning behind it because if he plays well, you're going to be, oh, well, yeah, we were wrong. And you don't have your name on it. I'm not too concerned about it. Trey Lance hasn't played football in a long time. He's going to get that opportunity this year. You get results. Nobody cares about the throwing motion. And he's out here putting in the work. The coach, I mean, the coach is actually out here watching. And so I'm not too concerned about that. Get on the practice field. Get in the game. Get results. This is a non-story. Hmm. Yeah, as far as the throwing motion being wonky, that is nothing. But the fact that that wonky throwing motion creates wonky passes at times, which we've <laughs> also seen, that is something. And mm. from what I've heard, and TJ, you feel free to tell me if I'm wrong, because I'm going to guess that you've got a little inside information yeah, as well as I do, mm. that uh, we haven't exactly resolved all of those issues. And it's one of the reasons why, even though they're going through workouts, that the reports are that Trey Lance is going to stay an additional time afterward, a week or so afterward, to continue to work. And there's a reason why Kyle Shanahan is out there watching very carefully, because he doesn't know yet what he's got, and he has invested a tremendous amount in Trey Lance to to find out whether he's going to give him more than what Jimmy G did, which is a very high bar to clear. So... It's not that the suggestion that he has a wonky throwing motion is something. I would agree. That is nothing. But the questions about Trey Lance that continue and that we haven't heard the opposite in these offseason workouts or got, had any indication that there's been some dramatic change and evolution in Trey Lance, that is indeed something. Oh, man, this is something. Even the throwing motion is something. Uh, one thing I learned from watching evaluations of football players is when a prospect is unknown and people take shots is because they think that those shots can be taken. They think something's wrong with that prospect. Because if not, you just sit there and say, I'll wait and see. But this is what's adding up for Trey Lance. Trey Lance, let me be your agent right now. Let me talk to you privately. You come out of a small school like I did. So that's already people looking at you sideways. Like, let's see how that goes. Now, there's been tremendous success stories, even from your school in North Dakota State. But still, people are looking at you sideways. Can he make the transition? Then you had the fewest attempts of throwing the football of any first rounder 
that's been drafted in the last 40 years. So that squint gets a little tighter. They're like, oh, small school, and he didn't have a ton of reps. Then you get to the league, as TJ points out. You didn't play. Your nickname is One Play Trey. All right, so you didn't play, so now all the unknowns have to go to other channels, other ways, other mediums. I give you this in contrast. Remember when Patrick Mahomes was drafted? And then that whole year, he was just practicing. And every report coming out of practice was like, this dude is next level. Oh, my goodness. And then we finally saw Patrick Mahomes in the last game of that year. And we were like, whoa. Then he came out here and played against the Chargers first game of the season. Everybody's heads were blown. Those reports, people weren't taking shots at Patrick Mahomes. They went to other channels to figure out who is Patrick Mahomes. And it was all glowing. For some reason, it's not all glowing with you, Trey Lance. For some reason, a hurt Jimmy G played last year when they already invested so much in you to draft you. You should have been the guy in that moment. For some reason, Jimmy G is still on this roster, can't even throw the football right now until July. All I'm saying is when people take shots, usually they feel the license to take a shot because they think something's wrong. Mm. Mm. Coming up, how long will LeBron be a Laker? We'll tell you if the King should be committed to L.A. That's next on Speak for Yourself. The Lakers have been busy hiring new head coach Darvin Ham. But what about their superstar? LeBron James is eligible for an extension in August, and his current deal expires after next season. The report says competing execs and agents do not expect the Lakers to get clarity on what he wants to do ahead of the draft and free agency. So, Antoine, how committed should LeBron be to the Lakers? Well, first, I think you got to, if I'm Darvin Ham and, and the organization, I want to sit down and talk to LeBron and really figure out what's his commitment going to be and where is he at mindset-wise on how good they can actually be. Um, obviously, we know LeBron's coming off a monster year, averaging 30 points a game, but he's also hasn't been durable over the last couple of years. So I don't know, you know, does LeBron have 65, 68 games in him every year, plus playoffs for the next couple of years? These are things you have to talk about, have to figure out. Um, obviously, is he content with playing with Anthony Davis? Does he believe Anthony Davis is the – the right running mate for him to, to be able to contend. Because I don't think LeBron, if you're not playing for titles, I mean, he's going to break the record next year, obviously, the scoring title. Then what is he playing for uh, once he breaks the scoring title? So that's a, it's a real serious conversation you got to have. Um, but I would, if I'm the Lakers, I definitely would commit to LeBron for the next two years, um, banking off the fact that how good he played this year. But I'm a little, my other thing, Rick, I'm a little worried. Is can he, can he play 65, 68 games through a season? Mm. And that's that's what I'm a little concerned with. He hasn't bounced back well off injuries the last couple of years. That's a concern for me. But LeBron James has earned the right and respect mm. to sit down and have a conversation and this decision be based off him. <sighs> Twan, <laughs> he should be completely committed. To the Lakers. Uh, you bring up a fair point where the Lakers have a conversation to think, hey, how far can we go with LeBron at this stage? But LeBron, in terms of what he uh, should be committed to, it should be the Lakers and it should be full bore. Let's not forget, they overhauled this roster in order to get Anthony Davis. That's something that he wanted. And they and he won a ring as a result of that. Both of them benefited. They then mortgaged their future 
in order to get Russell Westbrook. Mm. And that didn't work out so well. So now for LeBron to look at the Lakers and to look at this situation to say, yeah, you know, uh, boy, I'd love to play with Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors, or maybe I'd like to go back to Cleveland, or mm, you know what, Miami sounds like uh, a return there might be something. I understand what you're saying in terms of playing for championships, but at this stage, first of all, has anybody else said we want LeBron or we would <laughs> give up a certain number of pieces in order to get him? And if you did, would they still be a championship caliber team? The problem that I have with him playing this game of I've got a wandering eye is that it is one of the biggest reasons why Cleveland struggled so mightily to be able to get talent around him because everybody was always asking, every player. I don't know if it happened to you, Tom, but I know it happened to other players where they were like, they were approached about going to Cleveland. They were like, well, is LeBron staying or how long is he staying? Or they'd ask LeBron directly and LeBron always had one wandering eye, one foot out the door. Yeah, LA is a little bit different than Cleveland, but the reality is if you're not sure that LeBron is going to be there, that sends a terrible message to players that you're trying to get to come there to take one last stab of it. Never mind the players that are there. You're trying to motivate Anthony Davis to be in this supreme shape and to finally lead you to another championship and be all that he can be. And at the same time, LeBron is thinking, yeah, I'm not sure if I want to be here or not. I just think it's the absolute wrong message to be sending. And based on everything that has happened since LeBron has been there, I, as, as I hear you when you say that he's earned it, but I also think the Lakers have invested enough that they've earned LeBron's allegiance at this point to give it one more shot. Oh, man, the Lakers need to be fully committed to LeBron as LeBron is fully committed to the Lakers going forward. There's an old saying, Wallyism, from my grandmother, how you get here is how you're going to get there. So how did LeBron get here? Why is LeBron here in L.A. in the first place? It's more than basketball. We all know the financial impact this had on LeBron James as an active player that is now a billionaire. I don't know if that happens at the same pace the same time if he stays in Cleveland or even Miami for that mm. point. So, LeBron James is here for more than basketball. Family life is so cow. Hollywood, his businesses, everything that supports the Lakers. And, oh, yeah, it is the Los Angeles Lakers, a premier gold standard franchise. Remember the Lakers, six seasons, no playoff appearances before LeBron. Then all of a sudden, LeBron wins the title in 2020. Check. Now, LeBron is playing a game, and he's playing a game against Jordan because LeBron wants to be the GOAT. But he learned from Jordan to play for his legacy, but not his basketball legacy in this time. It's not for his basketball legacy. It's for his business legacy. Remember, Jordan went to the Washington Wizards trying to play some more basketball. And then that didn't hurt Michael Jordan. Matter of fact, people forget those wizard years and don't use it against him. But he was setting himself up to become Michael Jordan, who is now a billionaire in his retirement. But LeBron's a billionaire and he's still playing, still balling. And why would you leave L.A. for that? Where are you going to go? There is a marketplace that's going to help and help your legacy and help your brand and have the impact that the Lakers have had on them. So they're going to commit to him because 
All due respect, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant got a two-year, $50 million commitment from these same Los Angeles Lakers when a lot of people were saying, uh, his better days were behind him. Well, LeBron James averaging 30 last year, 38 and 6. Who knows where his better days are? Are they right here? Are they in front of him still? Or are they behind him? Point being, he leaves nowhere. Why? Because it's more than basketball. He's playing for that business legacy. Coming up, Steve Kerr says all the negative talk about Draymond Green in the finals has been overhyped. We'll tell you if we agree next on Spread for yourself. The Warriors are a win away from the NBA title, but Draymond Green has still had a series to forget. He's averaging only five points and has fouled out three times. But Steve Kerr still has his back saying, quote, everything has been kind of overhyped. So Slick, has Draymond Green's finals been overhyped? No, they haven't been overhyped. We're talking about a former defensive player of the year, seven-time all-defensive player who's put up terrible numbers mm. uh, a, a, a number of times in this series. And if, if they have been overhyped or if there has been too much attention put on them, it's because Draymond Green has created it. Oh. Like, he hasn't just been criticized for these poor performances, but he's come back at his critics to suggest that, that the criticism is unfounded. Which, based again on what Draymond Green's own expectations are of himself and the standard that he has set, he hasn't come anywhere close to meeting them. So there it is. I'm only looking at the importance of Draymond Green to this team and what he has done in the past and what he hasn't done in this series. Uh, he's had a couple of decent games, but we never talked about Draymond Green having decent games. We never talked about the Golden State Warriors winning in spite of Draymond or even with Draymond. We talked about them winning because of Draymond. And those games, Tuan, in this series have been few and far between. And when, you, when you've got a podcast, when you're out there tweeting, when you're out there in press conferences challenging reporters who question whether your podcast is giving away secrets and you decide to be more aggressive with them than you are with the Celtics on the court, then there's going to be some attention given to your struggles. Hmm. So whatever attention there is, Draymond Green has had a, hand, a big hand in bringing it on himself. Hmm. Rick, I, I have to agree with you on these points, and you make some great and valid points about Draymond Green. Uh, Steve Kerr, is, this is not overhyped. He hasn't performed well. He hasn't played well. He's actually hurt them, if you really think about it. And Steve Kerr saw that, obviously, in game four. That's why he bitched him. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have, he's on mm -hmm. the floor now not looking at the basket, not being a threat on the offensive end. Hurts them. And that's why Steve Kerr's played with the lineup, played Otto Porter a lot more, having Gary Payton second uh, back out there. Now he can play small a little bit. So, obviously, Steve Kerr's made some adjustments in trying to hide Draymond Green and his offensive efficiencies that he's had um, throughout this series. Um, the thing with Draymond is he tried to create this series in game one and two. He thought he can go out there and bully the Celtics. And nobody on the Celtics wanted to play. It's like, you know how you go outside and you want to play fight and the other kids yeah. don't want to play fight? <laughs> they didn't want to play fight with him. So when they didn't want to play fight with him, now that takes the, the fake physicality out of the game that he tried to put into the game. That didn't work. And now they need him to do other things on the floor. And that's just look at the basket, make a couple moves. Listen, he had eight points, I think, in the first with about 
seven, eight minutes ago in the second quarter. He didn't score another basket. He was not effective again in game five. So I think, obviously, Draymond Green is, is working on his career out, out, after the basketball, which I have no problem with. He's setting himself up for probably a great life on television. Yeah. He's very strong opinionated. People like to hear him talk. So he's setting himself up. But the focus that Golden State needs him to have and with this team is not there. And his skills are starting to diminish. So he's still got a couple years left on his contract. They've got some young talent behind him. He still could be effective because obviously they're in the finals and he's been a big part of where they're at right now. But Draymond Green, has had, you know, I think he's put a lot of this pressure on himself with the podcast, with the mm-hmm. talking, and not playing enough basketball. Yeah, man, I'm glad that Draymond was at least allowing us to have a peace treaty between Antoine and Slick because y'all been beefing all show. Finally, you guys can be on mutual <laughs> ground. I appreciate it. Well, oh, man, hey, Steve Kerr, you think you slick. Uh-huh, you, you feel bad for benching him, right? So you throw him a bone. Oh, all the criticism is overhyped. Why you bench him then if the criticism is overhyped? Mm-hmm. You, crit- you benched him for a reason. This dude ain't playing up to his own standard, let alone an NBA great player standard this series he has nine field goals made 10 turnovers and 24 fouls Draymond you better than that at least the podcast is coming up Justin Fields says the Bears are not ready to play a game right now we'll tell you if we love or hate him saying that that's next on speak for yourself 24 fouls you haven't listened 